daily podcast on the Big 12 Conference, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, everybody. Locked On Big 12 Podcast. It is a uh, our, our Big 12 After Dark on a Wednesday. I'm Josh Neighbors here. Uh, Steven Simcox of Locked On Horn Frogs, John Williams of Locked On Sooners, and Linda Godfrey of Locked On Pokes. I actually want to ask you guys a question. So I just watched the intro video again, and I, I've been doing this for a month now. So do you guys think at any point maybe people would have thought it was like a bit where I had like, they have na-na-na-na, hey-hey, goodbye for the Big 12 conference playing? I feel like that's almost very like a, a you know, almost a uh, very, I don't know. It kind of has that feel to it a bit, yeah. Right, like, oh, my God, like, by my Big 12 conference. It kind of felt like what it was what was happening there in the beginning. I honestly didn't notice because of, like, the slow jams intro. I like yes. the music. I like the okay, so they're going to say this. I'm, I'm not going to lie. Up. I don't love the intro. Like, if, if they said, Josh, could you redo it? I would. Because every other wow. show is the same intro. I, I, wanna be, I want something unique here. I want something with, like, maybe a highlight reel with no OU or Texas highlights in it. I don't know. Something something fun. Something, you know, with some UCF clips. A, a UCF national championship banner, maybe? What do you guys think? <laughs> yeah. Well, I, mean, I, get, you I, had get, me, I get the count. You had me at yeah. first, but uh, I, I, I'm fine with leaving OU and Texas out. But maybe maybe no UCF just yet. <laughs> Let um, me just – Please make an intro with just like five minutes of up close clips of Luke Fickle like yelling at people. <laughs> <laughs> Guys, we have to make sure Luke Fickle stays in our conference. We don't want oh to leave in the Pac-12, right? That's the first thing. Actually, I, let's so let's start with that. So the USC jobs open, and I've been I also work for SiriusXM with this bunch, but like the 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 idea that a past, current, or future Big Twelve coach could take the take the the USC job is actually on the table. Bob Stoops has been rumored, you know, not rumored, but it just was a name that's been tossed out there. Also, the name of Matt Campbell obviously is in there. Gary Patterson has odds available. I don't see that happening. And then also Luke Fickle is somebody that has been talked about. So Stephen, I'll go to you first. Your coach was listed in that group. Uh, mm-hmm. What are your thoughts on you know potentially a a Big Twelve past, present, current? Um, coach going to USC yeah well let me address the Gary thing first I mean like I I know everybody every fan base says this but that dude's not leaving Fort Worth and if he did he's not going to LA like Gary Patterson's not he lost he lost some weight but he's not eating kale and like writing screenplays (laughs) in Los Angeles like that's just not that's not the job he needs and he's also terrible like I I say this knowing who my coach is he's terrible with the media and that's why TCU is good for him because there's like four beat reporters. I'm one of them. So like, it's a good situation for him to just say dumb things and nobody cares. But in USC, he would be in a a much bigger hotbed there. Uh, Anyway, that aside. um, Yeah, it's fascinating. James Franklin seems to make the most sense, but Penn State is a really good job too. And um, maybe it's just my own bias, but like USC feels like one of those jobs that you should have taken 15 years ago and not right now in 2021. I mean, I get that the grass is always greener and there's a lot of resources there, but um, somebody's going to get it and they're going to be good. I, I just can't see like a super established coach going there, but Luke Fickle makes some sense. Just if he wants to make that jump, then the time is now. John. Yeah. I mean, Bob Stoops makes some sense, you know, if, if he's interested, you know, if he's an, a guy that, I mean, he's already out there in LA doing the uh, Fox big noon kickoff. So he could get a little bit of a head start if he wanted to just kind of 
uh, test the waters and, and go see what USC has to offer, get some game tape and, and start taking a look. Joel Klatt tried to set the world on fire by mentioning every big name college coach, including Lincoln Riley, as somebody yeah, that USC no. should call. But again, that's a, a name that does, isn't going to make any sense. Yeah, I think it, it's concerning a little bit if you're the Big 12 that you're best coach arguably outside of Lincoln Riley and Matt Campbell is can is being talked about as potential replacement at USC and then Luke Fickle as well one of the hot coaches coming in to the Big 12 I'd be a bit concerned you know you want those two programs keeping their established big time coaches yeah if you're if you're the Big 12 you're you're kind of reaching out to those schools like hey quick offer your guy an extension get him on the on the lifetime deal train right Linda, listen. I'm not going to lie. I'm 100% fueling the rumor that Urban Meyer leaves the Jacksonville Jaguars oh, and yes, goes to coach at USC. Like that's it's. I'm manifesting it. It's the only thing I want. The chaos is uh, chef's kiss. So obviously, I don't want any of the uh, teams that are coming in to lose their coaches right now. I think that would be very poor timing for that kind of move. So, Urban Meyer, baby. Yeah, Urban Meyer, high character individual. Uh, I've really, enjoy, I've enjoyed watching his uh, utter collapse. Oh, look, this was predictable, by the way, too. Like, if you thought Urban Meyer, you know, classic control freak, successful coach, can go to the NFL and, and things start going well, y- you were not paying any attention to the Chip Kelly era because Chip Kelly was a good coach, and then as soon as that didn't work, the whole you know college control freak thing it wears off real quick. Um, Matt Campbell, so I think there's a couple guys you can kind of put together. I would group Chris Peterson with, and I said the other day, with Bob, right? Do not, do not, do not go coach. Take the television money. It's great money. You make a lot of, TV money is stupid money. Take it, enjoy your, you know, you're still in football and you're making just as much, you know, or not just as much, but a lot of money to do this right now and a lot less stress. So say there, I would say Luke Fickle and Matt Campbell, I would put together as guys who are in similar spots looking for the right job to make that next jump, but also they're developers more so than they are recruiters. And that's why I think James Franklin makes more sense because they need somebody to get Los Angeles back in order. They need somebody to get Southern California back in order because what are we seeing? That area is just being pilfered by everybody else. Doesn't Clemson, Alabama, LSU, all those schools can go across country and grab these JT Daniels, right? I know he's not actually a kid who went to, you know, was recruited just to Georgia, but they pride him from Southern California to go. So that would be my message is get somebody who is going to get that area back in order. And I don't think any of the big 12 related people are, I think we're all kind of on the same page with that, right? Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense to me. I mean, you want to find a guy that's going to be, kind of a good fit for LA. You know, I think Pete Carroll comes to mind to somebody who's pretty laid back guy. And I think that's kind of why he works in the NFL as opposed to an urban Meyer. Like Pete Carroll, like, I mean, he's an intense head coach on the field, but I think like off of it and with his players, he's pretty laid back. You know, he, he makes a little bit of sense. And so they want to find a guy who's going to have a similar mentality. You know, Gary Patterson, if he's ever going to leave TCU, he's got to go to like Tennessee or something like that, that we can get that guitar playing going on in in Nashville. Yeah. I was going to, I was going to say like, you know, Steve may not be writing screenplays, but I'd be submitting his music to a couple of this, you know, to a couple labels out there uh, trying to get that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Don't get me in trouble talking about Gary's music. I mean, it's a nice album, <laughs> but like, let's... you've already called him bad of the media. Let's do, we'll stay away from <laughs> yeah, it. We'll stay away from it. Steven uh, didn't say anything. That was all John. Here. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, 
Also, I forgot to mention this off the top. Good news for everybody is all, all the kids being are in bed, and that includes my dog, which was a terrorizing last week's show. So we're glad Bowie's asleep. Uh, thank, thanks for that. So let's get to the the quarterback stuff. What a awful week for Big Twelve quarterbacks. Absolutely awful. I mean, for I on the whole, I mean, there are a couple there are a couple of great results, but um poor Skylar Thompson man just yeah. awful you hate to see that injury yep. and also I'm not sure if you guys have seen the six game stretch they have coming up they're going to be underdogs probably six consecutive games uh with Will Howard who's not very good at quarterback then you have the complete debacle that was Texas at uh, against uh, against Arkansas then you have Oklahoma State Spencer Sanders through one of the worst pick sixes you'll see the entire season right we had that Tyler Shuck tried to give the game away besides one bomb he looked pretty bad against Stephen F. Austin. Uh, let's see where, who else am I missing here? Anybody want to, uh, Jason Bean was fine. They played a really good team. I'm not going to kill Jason Bean for that. Um, surprisingly, Max Duggan was, was one of the more effective guys through the air. He started and, off rough, had, had himself a pick six yes. early on. Yeah. He had back, back really good, but he's the guy that's got that mental makeup that can re- respond yeah. to something like that. So I would just say it's like, you know, when you guys think about all these quarterback you know, issues in the big 12, where do your all's minds go to first? I know Linda for you, obviously is going to go to, to, to Spencer Sanders. So I'll start with you, but if it's outside of Spencer Sanders, where, where does your mind go to on that? Oh, I'm always fascinated with uh, any kind of demise that comes from the Texas Longhorns. So watching them try to navigate what's been the season so far is an absolute treat for me. And knowing that they're heading to the SEC, like it was already going to be a nice treat for me, but for them to be leaving, it's like a double whammy and I appreciate it. So that's like, I, I like a little quarterback controversy. That's fun to watch. Um, John, I'll, I'll ask you about Texas too. So Sark was pretty adamant that he was not going to play two guys and people came at me cause they said, Josh, you know, you, you're questioning Sark. Uh, he knows what he's doing week one. It looked great. And then week two, I actually he had Hudson card had the game week two. I thought he was going to have week one, oddly enough. And I thought it's a bad move to, to bench the kid after one bad week. They're playing rice too. So if you want to get your confidence back, this is a spot. What did you make of this situation? in the way Sark's handling it? Yeah, I kind of said the same thing to 1400 Sports Talk and Norman that it was a surprise to me that they were not going to go back to Hudson Card for at least one more week to give him another shot to redeem himself. You know, it's like if you got a rookie pitcher in the rotation and he has a bad start, you're not going to bench the guy and pull him from the rotation and put him in the bullpen. You're going to give him another shot. You're going to throw him back out there. You know, Steve Sarkeesian, he's trying to build something at Texas, and so he's trying to kind of make some waves early on, I guess. But if he saw enough from the kid – in fall camp, in spring camp, to name him the starter, then why are you second-guessing yourself already? Like, you're two weeks into the season, and you're already second-guessing a decision. It doesn't – to me, it doesn't breed confidence or, like, build confidence in a program. It doesn't exude confidence, and that's all he came with, right, with all gas, no brakes. Well, apparently now we got no gas, we got no brakes because he's (laughs) going back on a decision that he made already. And to me, I I mean – if it works and Casey Thompson gets them back into, you know, a national title picture contending for the big 12, then he's going to look like a genius. But I mean, we've seen enough of Casey Thompson to know, like he's not necessarily it either. So I don't know, right. it, you know, Hudson cards, he's still a young guy. He's still got a chance to, to be a big time college quarterback. But to me, I think it's a step back for Texas in the program. Yeah. I like Sark. I, I really do think he's a good quarter, a, a good coach, but I think he's 
so particular about the quarterback spot, and as he should be, that these two guys who he inherited, neither of them has just won that job. And he said as much in middle of August, right? He even said, it, I think it was after what a scrimmage or something like that. He's like, yeah, we don't we don't have a guy yet, and neither of these guys play well enough to do it. Steven, is Max Duggan the best quarterback in Texas right now? I mean, what is going on? Yeah, I hadn't really factored that in, but that that's an interesting take. Um, I mean, I guess if, if Sark is just admitting, like, I made a mistake and I named the wrong guy in, in Thompson as your dude moving forward, then okay, that's fine. But it's really hard to tell that in week three. And as you said, against Rice, that seems like the perfect scenario to maybe play both guys and sort of um, get a better read on who's there. But the other fascinating QB situation to me is uh, I know Iowa's a great defense, but Brock Purdy looked terrible and, you know, eventually got essentially benched or kind of like a, hey, let's, you know, let you sit on the bench and lick your wounds. Um, that team has a lot of, had a lot of hype going into the season and they did not look like a dark horse for a Big 12 title or a playoff berth on, on Saturday. And if they're sort of, below Oklahoma's as well with everybody else, then suddenly you have a really, really muddled sort of middle of the conference, which was already pretty jumbled up um, before the season. At least that's what we thought. So that, that's another huge factor, I think, in, in in the league right now. And, you know, it's a great point because Matt Campbell even said, you know, we wanted him to get over there on the sideline and, and think about some, you know, gather himself. But it wasn't just him that that game was on. I mean, Iowa did not play a good offensive game. They didn't have to. I mean, I- Iowa State had a fumble inside the five. They had a Xavier Hutchinson, Hutchinson catch, the catch that he should have made that he tipped back as an interception. And they had, you know, I mean, Brock Purdy, it was awful day. John, as, as somebody who is, you know, covering a team that is the closest rival in terms of like quality of talent and performance to Iowa State, I mean, if you're a Sooners fan, you got to be thinking, I'd like to play this bunch. I like this, I, this version of Iowa State. I think we can deal with. Yeah, can we get them next week instead of in November? Yeah, right. Because, yeah, they're a mess right now. And Iowa's a good football team, like Steven mentioned. That pass rush is relentless. They're going to yeah. give a lot of teams in the Big Ten a lot of fits, except for maybe like Wisconsin, who might be the only team, or Ohio State, that might be the only teams that have offensive lines that can deal with it. But, I mean, they were rushing three and four and still getting to Purdy and just hitting him relentlessly. Uh, and so, yeah, I mean, Iowa State, it, it doesn't look good. And, I mean, I, I still think they're a talented team, not going to overreact to them losing to a really good Iowa team. But yeah, Brock Purdy's got to figure some things out because he looked like a very um, raw quarterback in that game. He he didn't look like a a guy who's played a ton of football at, you know, a big time college football program. All right, Linda, I'll ricochet down to you for some Spencer Sanders talk. Look, I have, I have a condo on Spencer Sanders Island. Um, not selling it yet, but I'm, I, I might start to talk to my real estate agent, maybe field a couple offers because he has got to be better. He's got to. And I'll give him a little bit of pass. The offensive line has got to be – I mean, they've got to do something correct. Like Tulsa cannot be rushing three to four people. Talk about Iowa getting home. Tulsa was getting home against Oklahoma State. And Oklahoma State, their defense is is pretty – that's, that's, that's legit defense. That is a legitimately good defense that could actually, if the offense was like average, maybe make them the third or fourth best team in the conference. I just would hate to see it if the offense kept them back because I think Spencer Sanders is so talented. When you have pick sixes like that last week where he just looked straight at the linebackers like, I'm throwing it to you. You were 
take it. You are getting the football. You're <laughs> take like, it. what? You're like, what do you, you know, what do we do at this point? Because it feels like how many times have we said Spencer Sanders has got to be better? It's been like so many occasions. Well, and Mike Gundy talked about all fall, like all camp leading up to the season. He's like, he's finally taken that step. He looks great. And then, of course, he was out the first week and Shane Illingworth comes in. And Shane Illingworth is well-liked in Stillwater. There were chants from him from the student section on Saturday. He had his helmet on on the side, like ready to go until um, I think it was Jaden Bray caught that touchdown pass. But both touchdown passes were because of the skill of the wide receiver, not because of the skill that Spencer Sanders showed off. And he's he has the some terrible decision make like and I can say this because I've made some pretty poor decisions. He has awful decision making skills. And he's not a dual threat if he can't also throw the ball. And then when he did scramble for 36 yards, he fumbled it at the end. We just got lucky because Tulsa kicked it out of bounds. <sighs> I felt good. Well, the, the problem is, I mean, they can't establish the run. We saw some last year, too. I mean, if teams are, you know, teams were playing the run last year, that's why it got stopped. You don't have to play the run this year to get to stop the run against Oklahoma State. That, no, it's I think bad. The, and, and I've mentioned this, and I think we've all talked about it probably individually and, you know, we'll talk about it collectively, but it, it bears its head all the time. Offensive line play is where this stuff is. I know we talk about how offenses, you know, in passing game, whatever is changing. What happened to Florida State, right? Florida State has not had a good offensive line since Jimbo Fisher left. And what's happened? They've been horrible. They've been absolutely horrible ever since then. Bad offensive line play puts your offense in bad spots. It keeps your defense on the field and puts your defense in bad spots. And my issue with Oklahoma State is sure they're good right now, but when you play teams like Boise, who have shown some potentially explosive offense – when you play the Sooners of the world, when you play uh, the high caliber, apparently offense of TCU, the high flying uh, Horn Frogs offense, that's where you're going to get in trouble. I, I Dude, think everybody's scary in. because yeah. you're, because you're because you're you're how many times can you ask your defense to hold up right before uh, about mid of the third quarter the past right. two weeks you can tell and then they're, they're like looking at their side like like we don't care if you guys score just have a drive where you just, you hold the ball for ten plays yes. and give us a little bit of a breather and that's that's you know well and the play calling is also an issue I can't put it all on Spencer it is stale right. predictable awful play calling bad time management so there's there's definitely issues all over the board I feel like if, if things head this way he might transfer at the end of the year and then have an awesome year somewhere else. Which I wasn't surprised he didn't transfer. Uh, also, Shane, Shane Ellingworth is not better than him. Uh, if they went that direction, I think the results would be somewhat the same. Uh, yeah. Shane Ellingworth's mobility is going to be an issue with that bad of an offensive line. All right, friends, we're going to move on. But first, you guys know the deal. We got we got to pay some bills. I know they hate it. We said I think it's funny to say, so we're we're going to say it. Uh, all right, uh, our friends at RockAuto.com. Uh, if you guys have to fix something, and I do, I've, I've, I need some new carpet, actually, in my car. RockAuto.com. They're going to charge me significantly less than I would at a chain store, at a dealership, and whatever you need. Tail lamps, front lamps, uh, new radio, paint, carpet, whatever you need. RockAuto.com. They have got it online, serving customers for 20 years. Go to RockAuto.com today. Thousands of parts, hundreds of manufacturers right locked on in their how'd you hear about us box that way they know we sent you amazing selection always low prices all the parts your car will ever need that's rockauto.com all right friends we have a big 12 slate of games to discuss coming up this weekend 
And it's a bit of a, of a mixed bag. Um, the two games that I would say I'm looking forward to the most are Virginia Tech and West Virginia, because that's a massive – actually, I'm going to Morgantown for that game. Massive rivalry. Nice. Yes, very pumped. Uh, massive rivalry, those two renewing that. And then, well, also Nebraska, Oklahoma is renewing that. But I think in terms of like impact on the conference race – you got to look at Oklahoma State and, and and Boise, and I know it's not a conference game, but this this is a confidence this is a confidence game. So I'll go to you first, Linda. I mean, this is a chance to make a bit of a statement. Not a great Boise State defense. I know they were better last week, but we saw them against a competent UCF offense. They were able to move the ball all up and down the field. What are your thoughts about this game as the uh, as the Cowboys take the show on the road against on on the Smurf turf this week? Well, first of all, that turf's got to be like an immediate knock against any visiting team. I can't imagine it's not jarring to play it's worth on. two and a half points in Vegas, I guess, right? <laughs> Dude, I can't imagine. It makes me nauseous. And I don't ever, like, I never pay it any mind. And this week in particular, I've been like, you know, they shouldn't be allowed to do that. I'm like, <laughs> I've got real worked up about that field this week. Well, well but, who uh, that has the red turf? There's somebody who's got the red turf. Eastern Sorry, Washington yeah. has it. Yes, thank you. Okay, yeah, continue. Yeah, yeah. But the uh, yeah, I think our defense is definitely way better than their defense. But I think our offenses are very similar. Um, they also lack a run game, so that's it, it's going to be. I think either the most boring offensive game you've ever seen, or they decide to air it out and it it becomes a fun show. But I'm extremely nervous if we don't figure out the offensive line. They're still mix and matching. And I hate that about an offensive line, pick one, stick with it. They have to work together. You can't just, but um, play calling has to improve. Spencer Sanders has to improve and the defense can't be on the field for the majority of the game. Those are like the three main things for me. And I'm very worried heading to Boise. So it sounds like you don't think it's, it's who completes more passes. It's who, Whoever throws more incompletions is going to lose this game, essentially, yeah. Who yeah. does not complete more passes will lose against essentially, yeah. <laughs> um John, we've got the we've got the old Nebraska Oklahoma game. This one's been it's not gonna be a good game, but the the interest has been brewing ever since it was scheduled and then Scott Frost said last year when they, they weren't playing Big Ten football, we'll play anybody, anywhere, anytime. And then he called a bunch of people and tried to get out of this game. Yeah. Uh, and they still have to play this game. Yeah. And he does not sound thrilled. He's not sound ready. I know Oklahoma fans are ready because this game, game of the century 50 years ago, a lot of people really think that this was kind of the game that turned things right in terms of history. Oklahoma started winning after that game. It showed that they could hang with teams like Nebraska. And I think Jake Trotter wrote an awesome piece about the history of it over at ESPN. But um, this game does mean a lot. I know, I know Nebraska won out and they're bad now. This game still means a lot. Yeah, it does. It's a game that Oklahoma fans have been, you know, have had circled on the schedule since it was scheduled. It got everybody fired up back in the spring when, yeah, they tried to back out of it, which is like, how do you back out of like a scheduled non-conference game? I, <laughs> I don't understand that. Like, even when I played club lacrosse back in, you know, at UTA in the early 2000s, we didn't back out of non-conference games, even if we were playing against better competition. You just play the game that's on your schedule. And so Oklahoma fans are fired up for this one because it, it's a game that has so much significance 
in college football history. It just does. And, you know, it doesn't, it may not hold up as well as like Oklahoma, Texas, but I mean, they've been playing this game or they played this game from 1919 up until Nebraska left for the big 10 in 2010. And so they didn't play every year. Obviously there was some time where the you know, gaps in the schedule, but they've played so many times, like 86 times have they played. And it's been a back and forth battle. Oklahoma's like plus 10 in the win column in this game. And so it's, it's huge. It, it meant a lot to the big eight. It meant a lot to the big 12, especially, you know, during the Tom Osborne eras, you know, the last half of 2000 to 2010, they were going back and forth for the big 12 title. Even in years where Oklahoma wasn't at its best, they had to go through Nebraska at times to get to the big 12 title. And so it's going to be a lot of fun just having that white and red across the field uh, at Owen field, and who knows how this game is going to turn out. I think it's going to be Oklahoma by a bunch, but you just never know. I think, you know, Adrian Martinez poses a problem that Michael Pratt kind of exposed and that they can get pressure on the quarterback, but if they can't contain him, he can pick up some yards in the scramble game. So it'll be interesting to watch, but yeah, I'm pumped for this game. It's going to be an exciting one to watch. All right, Steven, your squad is off the, the designated third best team, in the big 12, uh, as you revel in the, the, shootout that was the, the I mean who saw that coming the Cal TCU shootout where Chase Garbers and Max Duggan were going you know blow for blow I guess you could say also Quentin Johnston's really good like he yeah. is really freaking good that one touchdown I think I'm not sure what kind of route he ran but the one where he kind of shook the defender after he caught it with the kind of the back turn almost like a basketball move was able to cut it up field I mean just showed that quality of being a number one guy and uh talk a little bit about the win and then as you sit in the couch this weekend, where your eyes will be turning towards. Yeah, the opposite of the cheese at Bowl uh, a couple of years ago. Some, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Some competent offenses out there. Um, I, I think the biggest encouraging thing, you know, by the time kickoff came around, TCU was like 11 and a half point favorites in Vegas, which I thought was a little high. But after that, uh, Cal lost to Nevada. They were expected to go out there and, and, and get a big win. They fell behind early. Um, that's not a game they win the last couple seasons. Like, they just don't have the offensive firepower to come back. Uh, so I, I feel like that's a big deal. And then also, you know, you mentioned Quentin Johnston. Um, Zach Evans and Quentin Johnston were the two best players on the field on Saturday. And I would say, like, against a, a pretty good Power 5 opponent, TCU hasn't had that situation since maybe Trayvon Boykin and, and Josh Doxson. Uh, you know, like Jalen Rager – um, was was that guy at times, but they really struggled to get him the football. Uh, but Evans had 190 yards, and it was what I would describe as like a cool 190. And what I mean by that is right, yeah. he, he had a really good game, but then you look up and you're like, wait, he had 190 yards and, and a couple touchdowns? Like, that's insane. I didn't know he, he was that dominant. Um, so, you know, that kind of, of talent and ability to just get the ball to those guys and go score – that's been missing along with some of the quarterback issues that they've had the last few years. So, so that's a big deal. Um, as far as w- what I'm watching this week, I think, you know, obviously Oklahoma state and Boise state, I want to see what the pokes do with a bigger test. Can they find a way to get a win on the road? I think that would be a huge deal for them. And then sort of weird, but um, I do, I do want to see how Baylor Kansas plays out uh, on, on Saturday because we have seen some some things from Jason Bean that's like, okay, this dude can run a little bit. Like, he can make some plays. They hung with Coastal better than I thought they would. Um, it was a one-score game in the third quarter. Yeah. And, I mean, I know, like, low expectations can lead to you coming away from a game like that and saying, oh, hey, Kansas 
looked better. But it, it does seem like at least that coaching staff has them believing a little bit um, early in the season. And Baylor has rolled over two really inferior opponents. So um, against a you know somewhat more talented Kansas team, does Gary Bohannon look like uh, a guy that can get the ball out and make plays? Um, and, and is KU ready to maybe make some noise? I, I wouldn't have predicted that before the season, but, um, you know, they've looked better than I expected over the past couple of weeks. So I want to see them against the Big 12 opponent. Baylor's got a great chance to be 3-0 as they head into that Iowa State game. And the first half of that Iowa State game last year was a, was a absolute nightmare for Brock Purdy. So I, I think that's something to watch. All right, I'm going to give you my game of the week, but first, guys, let's pay some more bills. Uh, sweat block. So if you haven't heard about this, folks, and look, it's it's still summertime in a lot of the places that we live, right? Big 12 country. Some of these places, the Northeast might be getting a little bit cooler. Not for us. We're still sweating it out in Big 12 country. Sweat blocks got you covered. Uh, Firefighters have been testing stuff on the Rachel Ray show. You know, they've been on Amazon, one of the top sellers for years now, 13,000 reviews, and they're still a top seller. Look, people only usually review stuff if they don't like it. People like this so much, 13,000 people are giving this stuff positive reviews. Sweat block, their wipes work up to seven days. They got a dry shirt guarantee. They'll give you their money back. You can get it Amazon, uh, CVS, or if you go to sweatblock.com, you get 20% off if you get it from there. So variety of ways to get it. Check them out. Sweat block wipes and also our friends at betonline.ag. I mean, if you want a weird line for anything, they probably have it, right? Uh, you know, the number of times the Super Bowl halftime show, will, the, the person will sneeze. They have a line usually for something along those lines. Uh, basketball, football, Formula One, UFC, boxing, they got you all covered there at Bet Online. Go there today on your iPhone, tablet, computer. I've said it before, iPod Touch. If you still have one of those, you can access it there. Uh, use the promo code Locked On. You get a deposit bonus as well. NFL Mega Contests, Survivor Pools, all kinds of things there. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. All right, folks, this is the game I'm going to West Virginia and Virginia Tech Black Diamond Trophy. Um, uh, just a little bit inside baseball here. So I'm a Virginia Tech fan growing up. Uh, got a couple friends who went to Virginia Tech. I obviously went to Mizzou, but still I root pretty hard for them. So my friends have tech license plates and they're saying, uh, you, you have to drive because they're like, our cars will get damaged if we drive our car, if we drive them into Morgantown. Now, I don't know if that is true now, but this is the anxieties of their father who went to Virginia Tech and knows this rivalry more, more intimately, you could say. This is a huge deal that these two teams are playing and I'm really sad that it's happening at noon. So that's the big part, but also a huge opportunity for Neil Brown's group uh, to, to get a, a big win. And look, they, they have a tough non-conference schedule playing Maryland on the road and also playing Virginia tech is, is pretty difficult to have those two games in non-conference. Um, but I, I think it's a huge opportunity. And also I think Jared Daigie needs to win this game or else they, if he looks bad, they might need to consider making a change of quarterback because he struggled against a Maryland defense. that's not known for being too potent. And um, this tech defense is pretty good, but he needs to show some progression because remember last time that we saw him outside the Maryland game, he got benched against army. So I think it's, it's a, it's a big opportunity there. Uh, all right. To finish up, I want to let everybody plug their show, plug their podcast, let everybody know what's coming up. So Linda, you first, what do we got coming up? What can we look for? Where can they find you? 
you can find me on Twitter at Lindellians. The show is at locked underscore on underscore pokes on Twitter. And uh, we're headfirst into golf season. So we've got some golf updates and just really trucking through football season. The Big 12 basketball schedule was released today. So we're going to talk about that a little bit. Lots of fun things. All right, John. Yeah, Locked On Sooners on Twitter, at Locked On Sooners on Facebook, Locked On Sooners Podcast. And you can follow me at John9Williams. And you can also read my work over at the Sooners Wire at USA Today. Steven. Uh, the show Twitter is at Locked On TCU. My personal Twitter is at Simcox Steven. You might say, why is your last name first? When I made my Twitter, I didn't think anybody would want to follow me. So didn't <laughs> really think ahead too well to plugging it on podcast um, and along with football we're obviously covering that really hard but TCU soccer uh, number five team in the nation those yeah. ladies doing a great job Eric Bell's a great coach we're following them closely as well they actually have a big game against uh, Pepperdine it's also a top 15 team uh, Thursday night which so you probably listen to this on Thursday so that would be tonight so check that out the on waves the that's waves right the waves there. Yes. Uh, all right. For those of you who don't uh, know me, I'm Josh Neighbors, host Locked on Big 12. Find me at Josh Neighbors underscore on Twitter, at LO Big 12 there. Uh, the show you can find on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and also on YouTube where you can see my face for radio do all of these uh, shows. All right, friends. It's always great as we have our meeting of the minds every Wednesday night. It's fun. Talk to you guys next week. Okay. Bye, Josh. You're handsome. <laughs>